Yo, what's up? It's your girl, Father Longlegs. You know me, Father T. Yes, that is right. This is You Can Tell Me Anything, the podcast where comedians confess something they want to get off their chest. And oh boy, I'm so excited for this episode. Before we get into it, a couple of quick announcements. You know I am running my crowdfunding campaign and we are down to the last week. I don't know why I said that like a radio announcer. Um, We have six days left as of now. uh, I think we're at 49% and I am crossing my fingers we'll get to 50% by the time you hear this, okay? That's only in a few hours. Um, But if you have not donated and you are, you know, have the means to, I would greatly appreciate it. But if you don't have the means to, you can follow for free, okay? Don't feel any shame, okay? I've been through days where I, you know, had to take out my savings for rent so please don't put yourself in that position you can support for free in fact i'm not just saying follow i'm saying share but also if you follow the seed and spark campaign if i get to 250 followers which are free by the way you can follow for free i will automatically get perks as a filmmaker um like valuable perks like being able to see analytics access to courses people network things like that so you can actually you're actually doing me a favor by just following it and sharing it that's the link is seedandspark.com slash fund slash get loved short if i murmur because i know i do or mumble you can just go to the instagram at get loved film or this podcast instagram at tell me anything pod or you know daddy t's instagram at Teresa lee bot there are so many choices one time a confidant told me I am way too accessible and you know what, you're not wrong. So you can get that link. I'm very excited about this short. Um, it's just a really awesome team. We shot it already. Uh, right now I'm just trying to finish it, need, you know, need to pay people for that. And uh, I know people are like, how did you already shoot it? Well, it's called a 0% APR credit card, okay? I was able to pay their crew, but we got to finish it. So please support, donate, share. Um, and I'm doing some more live shows in New York. That's right, I'm back in New York City till the beginning of October I'll be doing Butterboy Comedy one of the coolest shows I've heard about here I've yet to do it I'm so excited come out for that I'm doing Good Delivery Babe Comedy on the September 30th Juicy at the Q and the North Coast Comedy Festival at Asylum on October 6th um yeah check out my website TeresaLeeComedy.com slash shows for all those dates and you know links and all that good stuff um I really don't want to keep you guys too long in this intro. I've just been feeling like this rejuvenated feeling of this year. I don't know. Is that weird to say? I feel like we were all dropped so low in 2020. And 2021 was not that much better that truly just by being alive this long, I'm like, you know, RIP and oh gosh, I didn't mean to say RIP. I meant to say RIP to 2020 and then it came out and I sounded like I was going to say RIP to the people who are dead, which... (sighs) cancel me daddy I'm very sorry Um, no but in all seriousness it is trying time for a lot of people and um, I don't want to look lightly upon people who are not in good health Um, that being said I weirdly feel like time is like an an abusive relationship with all of us and just by being alive I'm feeling better Uh, oh I don't know do you guys relate let me know in the discord you can talk to me in the discord okay That's it for the announcements. I can't wait for you to hear this episode. One of the OG supporters of this pod. um, She's a very stand-up comedian, champion of like inclusivity in comedy, woman in comedy, POC in comedy, and just downright funny and also works for the network. Hoo-ha-ha. So I'm excited for you guys to listen to our conversation. This is Kari Estad. Enjoy. You can tell her. You can tell her anything. She's a real good listener. You can tell.
up? It's your girl, Father Longlegs. You know me, Daddy T. You know, I tried to come up with some new nicknames. Um, here's a couple. Good T of the East, Wicked Bitch of the Yes. Okay, let's... I don't know if those are going to stick around. But I am recording from New York City, and I'm very excited for my guest today. Okay, she's in L.A. She's part of the hoo ha Hub team. Okay, so she's like on the... like. Genesis creation of this podcast. She hosts a show called This Is Different. The next one is October 3rd. Give it up for Katia Saad. What's up? Hey, so I'm very stoked to be here. Well, I'm excited um, to have you. I'm excited. <laughs> I know you're like, you're part of, I mean, because you are also a stand up for, I guess I should also say that for people who don't know, but they should. You should they should yeah. already be checking out your stuff. Um, but you're also on the, the development and Muha um, Hot team. So, yeah. Very cool. Um, long, long before we get, fan. oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, what I said long time fan. <laughs> I know, like legit. Um, well, before we get too far, I like to start by asking my guests for a good confession, just to start on a positive note. Is there something good you'd like to confess? Yeah, um, I did a gratitude practice in, yeah, August, and that was awesome. It was, uh, it was like a, a vacation from my brain. And What is that? What's a gratitude practice? Um, this one was through The Secret, which is a little embarrassing because their brand is so obnoxious, but uh-huh. um, it's like an off, like, there's The Secret, and you can buy, like, all those cassettes whatever but this is just like one book and it's called the magic and it's just like every day there's um there's like gratitude like rituals or exercises to do one in the morning one at night and sometimes there's like one you're supposed to do like throughout the day but um yeah it just kind of challenges the way you think about things and changes your perspective a bit and uh i i needed it because i was feeling real down like yeah that's um that sounds like I always hear people doing them like oh do these actually work but if I I imagine like yeah that's cool to hear that you actually did the plan and it worked because whenever I read through those books I'm like I guess late I'll I'll read through it once to be like this is what I should do later and then I won't actually do it (laughs) so you actually followed it like a plan and it worked out well it's like every day there's like you just kind of read a chapter a day and then do the exercise that they suggest um what are and some of these exercises? Just like tell the people in your life you love them or like? There, actually, no, there, <laughs> <laughs> there is no, it's a lot of like imagining. Um, uh. So like, uh, there's like, there's two practices you do every day, which is like, you get up and you write 10 things you're grateful for. So it'll be like, I'm grateful for Teresa because we're having this great <laughs> conversation. And you just like list 10 things. And then at the end of the night, you say like, the thing to yourself you say like the thing you're most grateful for that happened that day so you like book in the beginning of the day and the end of the day um and then uh there's like exercises like you make a list of 10 things you really want and then you look at it and pretend they happen just stuff like that and that's nice like uh it gives like I don't I just feel like like things did get better for me like there were things I wanted that like did happen but overall it just felt like kind of um a like I said a break from myself (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's almost like you're giving yourself permission because you feel like you're taking instructions even though you won't do anything you don't want to anyways when a book tells you like be thankful you're not having that voice in your head that's like oh don't be selfish be humble you know it's like yeah well the book wants me to tell myself I love myself yeah the book said I did a good job (laughs) I guess I'll believe it that's awesome. Well, what is your um, background with like self-care, things like that? Like, do you, is that, is this something where you're like, I want to try something different or have you often been into like self-help books? 
Um, no, I think my mom is really into them. Like they're, she's like really addicted to Catholicism and self-help books. Like she always <laughs> has like a new one and it's like, I don't know. I'm like, do you see a difference? Like you <laughs> can really like pile them in like candy. Um, so I've always been kind of like annoyed by them, but, um, I think, you know, 2020, I don't, it was hard for me. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was hard. Um, and, um, it, 2021, you know, I think I had, we all had these expectations to be so great. And then it was like, oh, it's still really fucking weird. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, and I also, um, I had a big birthday this year. So I think that oh, also, happy birthday. thank you. Um, so I think I was feeling a little like, you want to restructure your view. Yeah, exactly. Recalibrate. Recalibrate, exactly. (laughs) So I don't like self-help books usually. This one was nice. I might like try and look again for, it's just kind of nice to have something to do, like to give yourself a little mental exercise because I feel like my brain is always like hyperactive and like analyzing and planning and the next thing. So it was kind of nice to distract that part of the brain, even if it was just a few minutes in the morning or at night. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad yeah. that worked out. Um, on that similar note, I, I like to ask my guests like what their experience with therapy is since this was inspired by me um, when I started going to therapy and just how like I was like amazed how great it felt to be able to talk to people and just like a third party about whatever I wanted. Um, and there's no right or wrong answer. Everyone has that. We run the gamut of uh, backgrounds for sure. People try to never try to hate it, whatever. Um, but just normalizing like any experience that you have, but what is your experience with therapy? Do you go, do you, have you gone? Like, do you love yeah. it? Do you hate it? Whatever. Um, I've done so much therapy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. When I was a kid, my mom, like I asked to go to talk therapy as a kid. Cause I like, Oh, you did. How yeah. old were you when you asked? I think it was like 11 or 12. Oh, okay. Around that. I was it really, from pop culture reference or there was like something you actually wanted to talk about? I had a hard time socializing when I was a kid. Like it was very stressful for me to talk to people. And like my sister is younger than me, but we were the same height. We're almost like, we're like 19 months apart. She's younger, oh. um, but like very much the same like age group. So I remember I used to make her like order for me and restaurants or like uh, if a phone call came, I'd be like, you pick up the phone. Like I really hated socializing and it was hard for me to like make friends and like believe that friends liked me. Like I Mm. couldn't, I felt always very left out. And so I asked her to take me to a therapist and she found one and I didn't like him. Um, but How did you know to ask for a therapist like at 11? Or is that something that your family was really open about or just you just happened to already like be aware of just the resources out there? I would say the house was pro therapy. I don't I don't know how I came to that conclusion. I think I uh... I was like an I was like born an old grumpy man and then as I get older <laughs> I've like turned in I feel like I'm going reverse like I keep turning into like a happy bunny as I get older but <laughs> when I was younger I was like old and grumpy I think I just was like I need to talk to some I think I I think that something in me knew that I needed to talk to someone because I felt like I couldn't talk in general so you're very self-aware which is nice because yeah. it's it's always um you know and it's sad for kids who if you don't understand what it is you need and you're like a lot of them act out which I understand I've done that too yeah but it's cool that even though you're like I'm unhappy well here's something I will try to make me happy. Yeah. like <laughs> I will try that let's see yeah you know 
I also, I like to share this other bit about my therapy because it, it, people usually ask for the info, but um, I did a lot of talk therapy and I eventually found a therapist I liked in high school. And sometimes I still call her because LA therapists are hard to find. Um, mm. But um, I had really bad panic attacks when I was through puberty, like mm. very bad. And then they became worse when I moved to LA as a young um, 20, whatever. Um, and I did this thing called neurofeedback, which oh. really like changed my life. And, Is like, that, I feel like, my sister did something for, like, a neuro something for ADHD. I don't know if it's the same thing, but are you, like, watching airplanes or something fly on a computer or something? Exactly, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you are, yeah. And uh, mine was for panic attacks. Um, and did it help? Like, how? what was that experience? Yeah, because basically you, you sit down in a chair and you're watching, yeah, like, airplanes. Sometimes it's a butterfly. And, um, and then they, like, put these little non-invasive, I guess wires on your head and basically mm. it's kind of like it's kind of like EMDR except it's doing it for you like you don't have oh, to like okay. move your eyes because I had done EMDR in high school and it hurt my eyes for some reason it gave me a headache oh man um but this like it was kind of like it doing it for you and so there was um the woman who I did it with we would do talk therapy while I had it going on um, and that was, uh, that was, that's probably been the best thing that I've ever done for myself. Like, oh, wow. yeah, that's awesome that it worked so well. Had to, was, did it take a lot of sessions or you kind of saw results pretty fast? I did feel, I felt better pretty fast, but I did do a total of 30 sessions, um, gotcha. with her. Um, but like, I remember the first time I did it, it felt like, um, it almost felt like I hadn't had protein in a long time and I finally like took a bite of protein like my wow. brain was like murder awake you know that's awesome um, yeah yeah I feel like that because it's you can't imagine what it, it is until you what you're missing if you felt like that your whole life and so I can relate to that I mean I didn't do neurofeedback but I was diagnosed with ADHD really late in life like like in the last few years and then um started treating a lot like got on meds to treat my um PTSD and stuff and that made a huge difference and it's hard to describe because not like I didn't feel alive before but it's kind of like that feeling you said as a kid you knew something was wrong yeah and that almost like deep down you're aware that that isn't how things should feel even though you had nothing to compare it to and yeah I can relate to like that feeling like once I started treating my symptoms I was like whoa I just feel like I can move through it's almost like I was underwater swimming and yeah. like I could feel that but then everyone else is like oh yeah there you're not in water we're all yeah. walking and finally yeah. you're like no see yeah. you guys didn't realize I was drowning I was drowning this whole time <laughs> and you guys didn't believe me <laughs> yeah no it was um it was really great and uh oh Dana I was gonna say something about um, yeah, it, it just, it felt like I got my life back. Like I had felt the, like the panic attacks came when I was, when I hit puberty pretty much like around 13 and then, um, they, they kind of would come back again throughout all of high school, college. And now I feel like, I don't think I get, I've only really had one panic attack since all of that treatment. I'd say I still get mm -hmm. anxious and nervous, but now it's like, I, I don't know. My body's able to just digest it better. It's not you like, can turn it, it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what yeah. I think it's important to realize. Cause I, I realized after I started treating stuff, it's not like I 
I would say like, oh, it's a magic pill and I stopped getting panic attacks. But how I felt about them is different. I don't know if that's what you're getting, but almost like you before maybe having flashbacks and like right. being triggered. And now if you're panicking because of something in the present, I mean, we can't tell the future. I can't say like just because you're treating things means you'll never be in a stressful situation. Yeah. But you'll at least be able to be like, this is happening now and I can deal with yeah. it versus like, why am I panicking? And like, will it ever yeah. go away? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There isn't that sense of dread every time something <sighs> that makes me, like I still get anxious. I still get overwhelmed by things, but my, yeah, it's not like, um, my body used to just like paralyze itself and my heart would just be like, bye. And just like race off to the heavens. And I was like, wow. no. yeah. And it feels like you like deep down knew that isn't how you're supposed to feel, but it started from very young age. Like, did you, what did you ever pinpoint? Like, was it something that caused it or you just were like an anxious kid and you just knew like something's wrong. Let's like figure out the situation. We did move when I was, uh, when I turned 13, we moved from Arizona to NorCal, which are very different places. Mm. And, um, I think I remember my mom driving us to school and I would have a mini panic attack every gotcha. day, like going to the new school. But then it became about things I was like obsessed with. Like I started jogging like just by myself because I could not keep up with the track kids. And uh-huh. um, I would get a little panic attack on the way to run. Mm. And then I did a lot of theater, which also caused me panic attacks. Um, and then moving oh, wow. to LA, I was like, uh, just in, I was like, how will I do this? Like, who thought this was my idea to come here and do this? Like, how will I do this? And um, they used to like wake me up, and um, yeah. it was just like very. It was really hard. Like, I honestly was like, I don't know how I'll live my life. Like, wow, because everything I like, I turned into this like panic thing. Um, it's interesting because I was gonna say because it's all these things that. Um, that would be more triggers for like if you got panic attacks I imagine being on stage and performer would trigger them but also that you like it like some people are like oh I don't like that and then they they but that to me is a sign that it wasn't just your personality like you were being triggered but your personality is drawn to the arts as opposed to there are some people who genuinely are like oh I don't like to be in the spotlight and that's like a personality and they genuinely enjoy not doing that yeah it felt like you had like um like your mind and body needed to reconcile like your body was like yeah we're still being triggered and you're like yeah get over it because I want to enjoy the spot I want to do this yeah I think yeah. I think I'm my I think I'm a little obsessive and I I know people use OCD and like wrongly all the time but sometimes when I do meet people who have OCD and I talk about my thought patterns like as a kid they're like that sounds suspicious um, yeah but some yeah. of it can come from because I feel like even though sometimes I'm like maybe it, I don't have ADHD but for now it's the closest thing to diagnose it but I think a lot of those um tendencies are connected to complex trauma and PTSD and it's sounding like if you were a kid I mean I'm not an expert so I'm not going to diagnose but if you're feeling already like that young that this is normal but also knowing it's not that tends to be a sign that deep down your mind knows like like it's trying to reconcile a feeling instinctively um so so that's like good that you list I mean you trusted your gut even though it was a hard journey I imagine to like follow that voice is very rewarding because it led you here. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely glad I did it. And it also helped me like my, I grew up in a house of like, oh, no meds. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't take meds now, but neurofeedback, um, I just remember one time my therapist in high school, I made some mention of my, I was like, my friend said I should take meds. And I was like mad at her for saying that. 
And my therapist was like, honestly, I think you should be on meds. Like your brain is fried and you're trying really hard to hold it together, but sometimes your brain needs help. And I was like, that's interesting. Um, And then I didn't really understand what she meant until I had neurofeedback and it finally felt like I was getting like support. Yeah, I think, yeah, people, obviously I understand why the pharmaceutical industry puts pressure or they put pressure on the healthcare industry. So a lot of people will suggest meds. I I think there's nothing wrong with meds. I'm on meds. I know a lot of people it works for, but I'm in yeah. the same way where I don't, I'm not trustful of their intentions yeah. when they try to, so I try other things too. Yeah. But yeah, that's like, cause the meds are also just a bandaid. Like I think the reality is like, we're still figuring out all these tools like neurofeedback, yeah. EMDR, but essentially I think the science shows now like what they're, the, what they're trying to do is, um, you know, fix kind of, not, they're not broken patterns, but it's like glitch. I think of like computers when it's like, oh, there's like every time it gets to this part of the code, it glitches. Yeah. And then it restarts and they just need to clear that and reset it, which is totally possible. It's not as easy as a button, but meds sometimes help, but meds are right. like a physical like band-aid. And then EMDR and neurofeedback is a way to almost like go into it and like kind of like reprogram it. No, it really felt like that. Like I was like, I felt like I walked out of the office of her like treatment and I was like, this is how people feel every day. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I remember I was just sitting in my brain. I was like, it's silent. There's no like undertone of like, you know, like, I was like, that's awesome. Cause it's like, you trusted yourself that you knew negative thoughts weren't, you knew deep down, like, Hmm, it's like, there's a leaky roof here doesn't mean this house sucks I'm gonna try to fix it I don't know where it is but I want to fix it yeah exactly yeah I used to call it like a tape I was like the tape is playing and I can't figure out how to turn it off oh I love it yeah oh I'm so glad that worked out for you um we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we'll get your confession and we're back okay Cardi the time has come is there anything you would like to tell me Yes. Um, I'm trying to be careful of how I word this. Um, <laughs> I think my the high school theater teacher who I was obsessed with at the time was like, I don't know. The, he was like a, into white women the way oh gosh, okay. liberal people are without saying they like love white people more than other people. Um, my my <laughs> theater teacher, so I was just to give like some context, my, I went to a a uh, public high school but the theater program was so good you could audition and come from any district wow. in the city and perf- and like be a part of it where did so, you go to school oh this was in norcal yeah. this was in norcal i don't, I don't say the name i'm just curious like yeah. where where yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was i was in norcal it was in okay. santa rosa if okay. anyone from santa rosa knows is listening but it's not a charter school just straight up like it wasn't like uh like arts mm -hmm. magnet or what do they call it magnet it was magnet it was oh oh, okay gotcha yeah so it was the school the high school itself was awesome and even the program was really great um but uh it was like you could audition um anywhere in the district and then if you were accepted then you would go to the school and um Mm -hmm. uh so i was like i was like this really anxious kid already and um, also like depressed because we moved and I was very bad at socializing. So I was uh, really like, this was like my dream to get into this um, magnet program and do this theater school. And so I got in and the first year you work with a different theater teacher, um, Mm -hmm. a woman, and it's just kind of, it's more of like um, a general high school theater program your first year. Like you just, it's just a period in your day and 
Um, you put on like themes at the end. Oh yeah, we had to write a one act and then put oh, that on at the end yeah. of the year. Yeah, that was funny. That's um, awesome. I was a Mexican immigrant who died of cancer. <laughs> you wrote it or someone wrote you that? Um, we had to like all write it and oh. then we would like we would swap i wrote um something that did not get made which was like a vampire dog werewolf Ooh, thing i thought it was very fun. funny yeah and they said please don't do that and um I, so that's so funny <laughs> people it's i feel like that age i mean and beyond people really want to be melodramatic I mean, I see yeah. that too in the film festival circuit because it's like good writing equals sad tragedy. Right. Well, sometimes it can, but that's so funny yeah. that as a high school student, you're you have cancer, you're an immigrant, you're sad. It's like okay, that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly yeah. I didn't even think about that now. Yeah, it was a. Uh, I did a one X. I wrote a one X for uh, my at my high school, and it was like uh, well, I was trying to do a comedy, but it was. A horoscope writer, which now I'm like, it's kind of funny that I was trying to write a horoscope so much because I, I now love astrology. Yeah. But it was like how she how each one was just so fake and how like she, something would happen to her and then she'd come up with a stupid one and then you'd watch how it affects someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this the play I wrote was, yeah, because we were like, how what are we going to write? And then some senior was like, just do whatever the fuck you want. And then we did. And then they voted it out. But the, <laughs> the cancer one was... Um, yeah, I was an immigrant. I was like a little, I was, I guess I was a teenager and uh, I died because nobody wanted to help him. Jeez. <laughs> um, wow. And uh, it was the first time I cried on stage. That also um, made the anxiety worse. I was like, now I have to cry every time I'm up here. <laughs> um, but uh, so that was the first year. And then the second year you start working with like the teacher who works with you from sophomore to senior year. And he was kind of like a legend, like beloved um, okay. by people who do the program. And and like um, the town would even come to the, sh the theater. Like that town I lived in loves theater so much. Yeah. And they would It's a very Bay Area thing, I feel like, too. Yeah. Because my yeah community theater is big in the Bay. I went to a high school like that where I think he just retired, but he, everyone, no, I guess I won't say his name either, but yeah. <laughs> so a lot of people will like, uh, I find out who go to my high school, if I meet them in entertainment, will like, I'll bring up, I'll like theater with, oh. our, and then people all know him. But I, I did really like his vibe, but it's funny when you think about the idea of like a high school legendary theater teacher, because that is a common trope. And just to go like, hmm, it, it's not hard to be liked by, I mean, yes, it's a many good things because you're like accepting people who tend to find themselves being different in high school. Right. But also when you realize like what being a high school teacher is, it's like, yeah, like to get a bunch of kids to like you, it's like you could boost your ego just by being slightly accepting of them and seeing them as not children. <laughs> I feel yeah, like. exactly. Yeah, there was some like I. I mean, it's it's weird for me. I haven't even gotten into the weird part yet. The weird part is that <laughs> we would all come. We all want to be in this program, you know, uh -huh. for the most part. And we realized we're like dedicating um, more hours into the day than like other high school programs. You have two hours in gotcha. the program there. And then as you like excel, you spend time after school. So your world is just like this theater program. Like oh, wow. if, you, if you're into it, you know, it is free. So no one can make you do anything. Um, but uh, there were people, we were like all diehards. You know, most of the kids in the program are diehards about it. Um, so what do you mean when you said he was obsessed with white women? Like, well, first, can um, I ask, like, is he, was he white? He was white, yeah, and he was from the South. But I think he, if you were to talk to him, you'd be like, oh, this person's very left-leaning, very liberal. But basically what would happen is 
um, he would always pick one blonde chick that was like his favorite and he would cast her like in everything and like um what do you mean by favorite like everyone suspected or is very like almost a running joke and they were acknowledging of like you get all jessica you get all the roles kind of thing both honestly oh like, wow okay. it was like very obvious and then the and it would affect the girls more because the guys didn't seem to notice or care like if a guy noticed i was like that's a good guy a lot of the guys would be like you girls are just complaining blah 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 like <laughs> But um, like that's so weird. I remember my friend who ended up leaving the program, not related to this, just because she had her own issues. But um, she, we we had like little one on ones with the teacher, and the teacher told her, and he hadn't even seen her act. He was like, "I'm really glad you're here because I want to cast you in this, and I want to cast you in this, and I want to cast you in this." And he didn't say anything like that to anyone else. Um, but he also borderline creepy. Almost, yeah, it is. Like, yeah. <laughs> And he also it's like American like, beauty, like mm-hmm. not necessarily saying it was sexual, but there's definitely like a glorification of like what he imagines is like the youth, the representative all no, like yeah. that's the vibe of getting like that all American, you it, know, pageant queen kind of sense. Exactly. And um, the so that girl who sat down and talked like the girl I just talked about, um, she ended up leaving the program not related to that. She had her, she had a lot, she was more of a dancer anyways. Um, but <laughs> okay. um, the girls that, that he would do that to and that he would like kind of give like more mentorship to, like they'd have like more meetings and stuff. Like it wasn't like, it would create oh. an unnecessary divide in the class. Like, um, cause sometimes the girl he ended up picking like for like the most part of my time there, like it caused her demise in my opinion. Like she like was really oh, no. into like the idea of like kind of being like the the favorite or like she would like give her opinion out too much to people oh, boy. and like and it's he would almost kind of just... uh, in a or grooming almost like there's like yeah a, there well, was... giving them a little bit of attention and then they want it more and then like yeah I wonder if a girl hadn't responded to being a favorite if he would have taken it away because like it wouldn't play into that if he didn't think she was good, he would stop giving her attention. Like if she, if he honestly didn't think she was talented, but what was messed up is like, there were other, and in my head, I didn't even really think about race yet. It was just like blondes mm-hmm. versus brunettes. So if Dang. you were a brunette, you had to work like 10 times as hard to get like stage time and groove. You were like, great. And so like, I think that's part of why my anxiety was like up the wall. Was, I was like, you have to like come and really fucking nail it, blow it out of the water. wow there's so many layers yeah and so but this girl that he picked like she would she like had a lot of hot air in her head so she would like give her opinion to you about your acting or like we also like build the sets so then she would be like crazy building the sets and we all fucking hated her because she was so annoying and um she actually caught us talking shit about her and she like cried her eyes out oh no and then um at the end of the year she actually sat us all down and she said i don't like the way he made me the favorite i don't like the way this happened and like i think Hmm. this was all problematic like from the start and she like kind of was like apologizing for being so fucking annoying but also kind of like calling him out at the same time um which was like kind of really cool of her now that i think about it um yeah because i that sounds you guys are all in high school so that's pretty self-aware to be yeah yeah dang yeah so and i like that happened 
And then um, I went to Emerson and then I started to really notice like the racism and casting and the way people treat mm. you in theater school. Like if you, if you are not like the white American image they have, like. Like the Sandy like, from Greece. Have you, had you, um, like, cause like most high school productions, that's where you do get more of like quote unquote so-called like colorblind casting because right. by default, like nobody's an adult man, you know? So like right. where was that? Like, did you have instances where you were, like, going out for roles and you felt like it specifically just went by aesthetic bias? Or because the school, I imagine, was all teen, so it's not like... I don't know what kind of plays you guys did, but were people playing, like, totally different roles than themselves? Or um, We were were a straight theater program, so no musicals. Um, (laughs) Okay. And it was, like, Sam Shepard, Shakespeare. We did Mm. a lot of Shakespeare. Okay. um, A lot of... Traditionally played by all dudes. Um, yeah, traditional so. like white play. Sam Shepard huh. was like, we did a lie of the mind, which is like insane mm. because I played <laughs> the character Beth, and if you're not familiar with Sam Shepard, which you probably aren't, um, Beth in the play A Lie of the Mind wakes up having brain damage from her husband beating her. <laughs> oh my god, I love Sam Shepard. Actually, I haven't read that one though, but um, that's heavy stuff for high school for sure. It is, yeah. So that's also probably why I was so freaking anxious. Um, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we were doing these really wild, like, Americana plays. We also would uh-huh. do, like, Northern English plays. Okay. Um, there was one year, I wasn't in the, like, per, there was, like, the senior, junior class. I wasn't in the class yet, but they did this one play that was really interesting about, um, like, people, prisoners from England being shipped to Australia and, like, that mm-hmm. whole, like, migration. And so the kids all had to learn, like, Northern English accents and stuff that wow. year. and. It was really, the program was like amazing in a lot of ways and he would do it all by himself and I think work way past what they paid him to do it. So like, it's kind of complicated because I feel like I learned a lot of like my work ethic and kind of like in a way, the way he did that fucked up shit, like I'm used to just like keep going when people aren't cheering for you, you know? It's always complicated with stuff like that, but I would say that's almost, I never hear instances of people being like, and this person, I'm not saying he was like abuser necessarily, but I'm just saying even yeah. an extreme would be like, he was an abuser and it was all bad. Like that's implied yeah. that there were reasons. So I think yeah. Yeah, it totally, because um, then the other, on the flip side, there are totally many experiences you can have where you learn things that don't include that. And because I, I have to tell myself all the time, I'll be like, oh, this company I work for, or these, you know, this early childhood experience in this extracurricular where I'll be like oh looking back kind of fucked up but then being like but also I look how much I've learned yeah look at but me the reason now. is like that's a way to cope and be like we're here because you don't yeah. want evict- to I mean the reality is like you're strong you're here so like yeah. yeah anything that has happened if you're here is good for you because you're here but doesn't excuse anybody else's choices yeah but, yeah I also just like when I like like the the experience happened, and then I went to Emerson. I don't care. If they uh-huh. know so you what? Did you go for school? I, I mean, sorry. Emerson. Did you go for theater? <laughs> not for sorry. Did, I did. <laughs> I was in their BFA acting program. Okay, that's a great program. It was it was good. It was hard. Um, and uh, I also found myself having to like make shit happen for myself because of like, I felt like it was a. I felt like there was a lot of racism there, and I feel like there mm, are still theater students. Yeah, right. Who would have thought? Um, <laughs> there's a lot of theater students there now who are still like, I had to like sign some petition to like help them. Get oh, wow. Of I was like, this is still happening. I've been gone for so long. Like, was there a lot of typecasting in college or did you get to like in college? It's almost that weird transition where, because I, I imagine once you go into like professional 
stage they do really I mean unless you're in like a Hamilton they really do just go like you're not you don't look Irish you can't play Irish or whatever um yeah there's typecasting and then there's like plays that they would do that I guess there were plays like where it was a little blind casting but hmm. for the most part that it was I would say it was typecast I felt like the most diverse plays at Emerson were the um like the TYI play, TYA play, which is theater for young audiences, which is like cool, but it's like not every person <laughs> of color at the school just wants to make a play for kids. For children. Like, yeah. It's interesting how a lot of content for children does end up being more progressive or inclusive because adults don't take it when sometimes they go, oh, well, just they're just kids, so like let's just make everything an animal. But like, but that's the point. Yeah. Because we are all, it doesn't really matter what, it, like, they get it, but then they yeah. like miss the point because they're like, "Well, that's for the kids. They'll grow up and learn racism." It's like, or not? Maybe oh. we could do all of theater like this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What um, um, what was your like the roles that you found yourself, I guess, getting put in the boxes you found yourself being put into? There was more of like there was more of like, oh, you look different, so you should do like different roles type of like conversations. Like they want. Were you getting that. comedic like? sidekick uh, laugh relief or like just serious cancer patient everywhere um i was like I, they cast me as i don't think you can even say the name anymore because okay. uh there was tom it was a tom sawyer play and I oh was okay bad guy and I was, gotcha okay oh boy his second name is joe and the first uh-huh. one is a slur um wow so I played that, and then I was in a TYA play as a dog, and then... Um, Were you the... Um, or how? what was the... Like, was your program mostly white? Yeah. Yeah. Emerson, in general, is mostly white, mm-hmm. which I think is, like, the issue. Like, they one time wanted me to audition. It was, like, this was a student play. A lot of these were student plays. I really, honestly, I didn't get picked for the main stage show, Um because they didn't think I was good enough or I didn't fit, whatever. I was put in a lot of, um, Emerson is like a lot of DIY for a school that is so fucking expensive. Um, But uh, yeah, there was this one student who wanted me to come audition to um, play a black woman. And I had to like explain like, no, I didn't really, actually I didn't explain. I just said I can't. (laughs) But um, in my head, I was like, this is really bad. Yikes. (laughs) Like, but I don't think she's a bad person. Just like there are so many white people there and there's no one really like advocating or trying to explain. I remember one yeah. time we were having a conversation about, um, about, um, oh dang, what's, he writes everything. He's the Woody black Allen? Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm a playwright that write a lot, please. I don't know. August Wilson or... Yeah, August oh, Okay. We were reading an August Wilson play and like the conversation came up of like, um, do like black people still think about slavery today? And like a lot of the kids were like, Why would they? And I'm oh like, God. I had to like raise my hand and be like, Hey you guys, there isn't a black person in this class. Oh gosh. So like how could you even how could we even broach the subject? Like Wow, yeah. So like maybe just think about there are things you don't have to deal with that they do. Like yeah, that's such a wild thing question to yeah. ask while reading August Wilson. I mean, maybe my, my experience is like almost extreme opposite because I went to um, like a summer camp uh, for, and then we took theater. But our, our, it, I did the theater program. It's one of those like supposedly like, oh, get a college 
college course credit, and then you're supposed to do, like, cool science or math. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> but our teacher, he was black, but he did, he had us do the piano lesson, and he taught it really well because he, we, like, did it for kids. We were, like, I don't know, te- preteens. So it's a lot about wanting to act and just play into these roles. But the first thing we did, and now I understand this. I didn't at the time, the connection. I was like, oh, this is a cool improv exercise. But he had us all, like, close our eyes, and he, like, played, um, uh, like, old African beats and then told us like kind of did a spoken word about like imagine you're like with your it was actually really emotional because we were like pretend it's weird to say this now because we also weren't black but I think <laughs> he wanted us as children to like have some imagine. some like yeah. me, like mentorship line to a different point of view yeah um because this is in the bay area but he had us like pretend we were like in a village and then like what it's like to have like the ships show up and take you away and then that didn't, like, you know, piano lessons, like, set in, at that time, more modern day, um, not modern day, but not, it's not from all the way back in Africa, but to me, I was like, oh, how interesting that we did this exercise for this, but now, as you're saying this, I'm like, oh, I'm actually really grateful he did that, because yeah. it set this, like, put our brain in a place where it's like, this is coming from, doesn't matter what you grew up in, or what your understanding of, like, Black America is, like, he wanted us to remember, like, these families and stories that pop up later all stem from this like horrible act that there was no choice in and so I I do feel like that set some sort of like foundation for going into the play with a little more like empathy that I'm grateful he did now but until you said that I had never connected why I because we were just like it's like more of an improv exercise like dance around act like you're like here but that was like when we were like eleven. <laughs> so yeah. Like, yeah, I can't believe college. <laughs> no, yeah, these were college kids, and they're like, "But why? It was so oh, long no. ago." And oh, I was gosh. like, "Oh my gosh!" I will say I had a really good history teacher in Santa Rosa who like showed us like images of the slave trade and like also explained the history mm-hmm. of the slave trade and like put it up in like. M- like the years that people were slaves versus the years they've been free at the time when he showed that to me like over a decade ago they had been enslaved longer than they've been free in like this country yeah so just like hearing number i don't know it's just good to like have a diverse learning of where you live and it's wild yeah that all these people hadn't had that yet and like we were all grouped together so it did i feel like emerson was it wasn't like maliciously racist, but it, it did like naturally kind of call into like systematic racism a lot. And mm-hmm. I don't, it made me think about my high school experience differently. Cause in my mm-hmm. head, it was always blondes versus brunettes in this classroom mm-hmm. of us like trying to get the big part. Um, and then I real I was like, that's like really fucked up even more that he was like always wanting to put white women center. Like, even though he is a left leaning man, mm-hmm. Isn't that a little white supremacy? <laughs> yeah, like, it super is. That's that's wild. Like, yeah, you're like bringing up so much that I didn't even because I like theater. I was never in such an advanced program like that, but I remember thinking like when schools announce we would do musicals and schools announce a musical, I'd always hope that there would be like oh let's do one of you know like the king and i or whatever like anything yeah. in my head like oh what's that story anything that like vaguely had like yeah. roles that weren't just all white people i'd be like i hope they do like one of those plays yeah. cuz then i maybe have a shot now i realize like Peter program stand like actually probably get together and think about 
who's in the program when they're creating them too, probably. Right. Which they, is also strange, yeah. but but they're probably like, oh, could we pull this off? It's not so random. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's wild because that there's like so many layers to that that you're already thinking of like what roles are possible for mm-hmm. me to even succeed, and I still have to audition. Yeah. To get. Um, West Side Story is a wild one because we did it at community theater one year, and I'm realizing like both Maria's and both casts were white. Yeah, <laughs> and then all the kids who weren't, who all the people of color were cast as the sharks, myself included, and they had us wear like, I mean, I, I, I suppose you would call this brown face, but I don't think we were aware of like we had to put stage makeup on, but they right. told us they encouraged us to get darker, darker yeah. colors, yeah. yeah, which I'm like, oh god, like that's bad, that's very bad. <laughs> but then no, again, yeah. also like these are children, I don't know, like I mean, just, so many things, yeah. Yeah. We also stuffed our boobs, you know, to have, like, like, so there's, like, many, there's a lot of fakery <laughs> going, <laughs> much, a lot of fakery happening. They had you as, as female shark? Yeah, I was a female shark, I had to pad my, pad my dress so I looked more like an adult. That's so funny, I didn't know there was, like, females in the shark. I thought well, I guess we're the girls dating the guy, well, yeah, because oh, at, Amer- okay. at the, you dance in America, uh, yeah. there's Isn't the whole America dance. America? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't do the accent. I can't do that. I'm not going to do it. Well, I should say I'm not going to do it. But. Like, I physically good, but yeah, exactly. Um, oh, I did it on stage back then. Not on, I mean, yeah, I just, yeah. you, you know, Don't let's not it. beat around let's, that bush. But yeah. <laughs> exactly. I won't do it now. Yeah, I won't. Uh, yeah. So, what, so how did this all come out? Like, did you finish the program? Did you bring this up with anyone? Or like, was, was uh, this just school? all... Well, you said you went to Emerson and looked oh, yeah, yeah. and started looking back on all this. Like, did this manifest yeah. in any way that like you confronted uh, it? We did at Emerson. We ended up putting on a Shakespeare. We did Hamlet set in the Mexican American War oh, um, because some people had. I think someone, someone I had heard enough like racist things very okay. passive aggressively in class. That I was like, fuck this. And then there was this one teacher that was like, if you were to do produce a play, how would it be? And then I just like went to town on the project and I was like I'm gonna do Hamlet and the Mexican-American War um, because there's like a part in the Mexican-American War where the Americans showed up and Mexico was like you can have this city and everyone's like are you sure and they were like yeah just take it and like that's the end of Hamlet basically is like everyone's dead and the the prince shows up he's like oh cool it's mine so um so we did it in the Mexican-American War. Uh, I did. I placed the project there, and I explained the imagery like that. Hamlet's father would come out with like Day of the Dead makeup, and oh, like wow. it would light up, and it would really like resemble this. And um, one like student was like, "So like, will all of your actors have like Mexican accents?" And I was like, "No, we've been here forever. We speak <laughs> English." And like, and I actually was approached by other students of color who were like we want to do this play for real that's and awesome so we like produced the play and it was kind of like a big fuck you to the school um and we only put like latinx kids or we we brought it out to people of color because we knew a mm. lot of people were feeling shoved out and it was like a really cool production um and i'm really happy with how it came out and we even had like teachers donate their time to like come coach us and like help us make it cool and even teachers like from other universities who like were mad about how <laughs> kids of color are treated in theater came and donated their time um were you in it or were you directing 
I produced it and then I was I gave myself Ophelia because no one was getting nice. it and I wanted it. Um, tragic sad girl. Tragic okay. sad girl. I used to be so good at sing crying. <laughs> I was like a pro. So good. That's actually um, you're actually appropriating white culture there. Sad, yeah, that's tra- true. <laughs> sad tragic white girl. Sad tragic white girl singing drowning. Um, and so it was cool. Um, it was weird because we like really expected like the teachers to come. We'd be like, yeah, you guys look at our play. And then they, they didn't come because um, they were like, we have, we're going to go home. I don't know. Um, uh, but the people who, who coached it came and other students came. Um, but it was interesting even producing that, like, because the, the people of color at Emerson, I guess like a lot of people do feel the racism there. Like the woman who was in charge of, the venue we did the play in she was a faculty member and she basically gave it to us because she liked the message and mm. she happened to be black and i remember the white students were like how'd you get that venue blah 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 <laughs> and it was like get off my fucking ass you're cast all the time let us have this one fucking thing like um that's wild it's it's like in in a world where the invisible norm is to be white it's like anything that differs from the like what white people who don't go out of their way to think like oh we have privilege like anything that differs from that feels like it has to make a statement right so that's like the the extra burden like if you can't just be like i want it to be equal like if you produce i mean it sounds like you were trying to make that point but i imagine white people felt uncomfortable that oh why is this now we can't even audition for this because it's an all yeah it's set in the mexican american war and that's not fair but like i could for spring awakening but it's like but yeah. if you think about it like it is actually very fair because a lot of these plays like they don't say it's an all-white play kind of boy is it implied yeah yeah so they just get are uncomfortable that they have to face that at all whereas like yeah. you're just trying to say like hey i'm not even taking anything away from you i'm just like giving something to myself and by doing that you feel like you're having something taken away from me you that's like not very good yeah yeah, it it's why like Chelsea Grow has this really funny bit. She's like, when you tell white people no, sometimes it's like pouring water on a tin man. They're like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> I've never heard this. Like, um, and it did. Yeah, it did. Kind of. There were people who were obviously very supportive and were allies, and then there were people who were kind of like, oh, okay, so you guys get to just because we did get, like I said, there were people of color faculty members that were very excited and pushing for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was weird to feel that. And sometimes I feel that now, even doing stand-up, like trying to curate um, mm-hmm. a, a lineup that is people of color. Like, I don't hear it a ton, but I do hear like, well, it's hard for everyone. It's like, it is, but um, I don't know. I still see, It's easier yeah. for some. It's, yeah. Yeah. I think that's the key because I should never feel like it's a trade-off of like who has the most trauma because I'm like, yeah, I get that shit happens to anyone no matter your background wealth or whatever but if I can help make lives easier for some people like it's nice to start from the bottom like yeah doesn't matter if tragedy hits at all levels like there's more of a shot of getting out if you're born white that's just true it's not that every white person has a better life than every person of color but you know (laughs) given everything the same there are some systemic differences yeah (laughs) like and you can't ignore that and but I think people take it really personally well I don't obviously I don't want to say all white people I think people who get offended by hearing that something is specifically a very like 
specifically a person of color cast or whatever yeah that is usually exposing a bias of like they're used to seeing a world for them so the yeah. fact that it's not for them they can't just do the tuning out that like we do right oh right. disney princess i just know that's not yeah gonna most likely not gonna be asian unless they make a point to be like this is our asian one like yeah we're used to that that's how we see the world yeah. so it yeah. shows that they're not used to seeing a world that where there's any like um qualifier at all yeah, exactly. And yeah, like, yeah, it, it's really weird to me, like when randomly they're like, people are just like, I had a friend that saw Beyonce's, um, this was back when she did the Black Panther thing at the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. And he was like, I didn't like that. And I was like, what, what didn't you like about it? It was a very good performance. And he's like, no, 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 I didn't like that signaling. It's like, signaling that oh, I see you and we're united like what what do you see from us just like celebrating ourselves mm-hmm. that tells you this is war now like I don't get it like I don't know man that's wild yeah but you I, can really yeah. hear a lot from without people really tell you a lot without telling you like they think that they're not saying anything and you're like interesting yeah that was your reaction interesting that that's where you (laughs) went with it um everyone else is enjoying the sunshine but you hang out in the shade i guess ah that's funny um so okay so we're we're getting to the end of it i'm curious if anything how did this all play out in your uh, obviously now you're very it seems like you're very aware and understand the problematic patterns um with this like kind of to wrap up this experience in high school and college like how did this play out to where you are now? Like, you you just kind of on your own got over it, or you really, like... I know you're very active in, like, producing yeah. and being a part of uplifting voices yeah. of color. So, like, did that play into yeah, your choice to do that? I feel like uh, in my... Like, um, I really love performing and doing stand-up, and that is, like, what I'd like to do more of. But I also am very... Like, it has taught me to be a producer and, like, make things happen when things aren't happening for you and like also how to like bring people with you when you do that Mm -hmm. like like not just uplift yourself but like how can I also like get these guys like in my boat and you know Mm -hmm. like how do how do we like become like a a horizontal rise instead of just like you know fighting alone for that one spot that isn't really meant for you anyways yeah I love that yeah awesome that's why I'm happy to work at Hoo Ha and even like um, I produce shows and like I said, I love doing stand up and I love being on shows and I also like producing because I do like being able to like share like the, the spotlight and the wealth or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. So if you could um, say something to this theater teacher, you don't have to say their, their name and yeah. it can be like a, a symbolic. Yeah. But like give us a quick like little like just, you know, 30 second to a minute, like like kind of like oh, say man. what you get it off done. your chest. <laughs> What you want to get off um, your chest? I'm like getting emotional. I feel like my first thought is "fuck you," um, but also like I hope you get help. <laughs> um, I hope you. Yeah. Now I'm just like quoting Kesha. Um, uh, okay. Well, but uh, there's right. a white woman uh, I can stand. So yeah, there's a white woman. <laughs> um, my my initial was the uh, "fuck you," but also just like I don't know. My first other thing is like you're not as liberal as you think. Like you think you're helping, but you're playing into the same toxic thing that you complain about or that you would take to Facebook and be like, how could, you know, they do this, but you exhibit that you are subconsciously doing that yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. I want to end with a quick game just for like a little lighthearted. I vaguely had an idea of what you're talking about. So this inspired, because I used to be really, um, 
it's similar, like I've kind of shared, like also my internalized uh, own racism and the way that like I loved be like I love blondes. I've always loved that like quote unquote all American girl vibe and to the point where I, I you know I, I was blonde at one point but um <laughs> this game is called American Girl or Miss American Contestant because I you just kind of brought up uh in my head like the idea of like the idols we put in front of our young girls so you know we uh, growing up in America like you don't have to be a young girl but these right. specifically I guess demographically in a corporate sense target to to yeah um, young ladies but a lot of these idols are very like manufactured um so i want to take some fun facts okay so you know whether these are real or fake they're all facts but american girl dolls fake okay they're fake oh okay miss america real people okay they're okay form, former miss american contestants american girl dolls okay they're okay both generally meant to inspire young girls um okay. so i'm just curious you know i'm just gonna i'm just gonna read a fact tell me if they're you think it's a miss america or american girl doll okay I guess the vibe is generally, you know, who, who do you think is a better role model, these real people or these fake people? Maybe not. I don't know. All right, here's the first. I'll read the na- first name because I don't know how familiar you are with American Girl Dolls or Miss America, but <laughs> they, yeah, okay. Uh, I'm not that familiar, but keep, I'm. No, I'm, no, that's good. So I yeah. think I can read the names. Yeah. And Kira is thrilled when she gets to spend a month at her Aunt Bailey's Wildlife Sanctuary in Australia caring for koalas, wombats, and kangaroos. Is Kira an American doll, American girl doll, or Miss America? I think it's Miss America. Um, that's a good guess, but you are incorrect. This is the American ah. girl doll, Kira Bailey. Okay, and she. This is actually the 2021 new American girl doll. Oh my! Okay. <laughs> All right, here we have another one. Um, okay, uh, Jesse can do the splits upside down. Is this a Miss America or American girl doll? I'm gonna go Miss America again. <laughs> Okay, correct. This is Miss Cal- well, Miss California 2016, Jesse Carmack. Okay. She do splits upside down. Pretty cool. That's pretty um, cool. Honestly, very cool. <laughs> Nania's life is filled with hula dancing, fishing with Papa, and playing with her pet dog, Melee. I'm going to guess doll because they used the word Papa. Yep, correct. I know. I'm like, that probably gave it away. But the, the answer is American Girl Doll, Nania Mitchell from 1941. I hope- Miss America, there is a Miss America out there who calls her dad Papa on stage. I'm sure like, there is. Time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, Pennsylvania, rural Pennsylvania. Um, okay, Courtney's dream job is to work with penguins at a zoo. Miss America, America or Miss... Correct, this is Miss Florida 2016, Courtney Sexton. Ooh. Um, here we have Camille can't stand red gummy bears. Miss America. Correct, Miss New York, twenty sixteen, Camille Sims. Um, okay, Samantha can't help show her, but share, show her daring side. She loves to climb trees and voice her opinion. A doll, the American doll. <laughs> yes, American girl doll. Oh my God, you're doing great. Okay, here's the final one. Deirdre okay. received a volleyball scholarship to college and became a doctor after going to medical school. American girl doll. Miss America, actually, that's Miss America 20, 2005, Deirdre Downs, and she actually, um, well, she's not the first, she wasn't out when she was crowned, but she is now married to her wife, so uh, queer icon, Deirdre Downs. I apologize, Deirdre Downs, um, I'm so glad you did that. <laughs> so quick to judge, uh, okay, no. I was being mean. 
being I was being mean to Miss America. I was like, she did not get a doctor. No, no, no. It is funny because they do really try to like change stereotypes while doing them at the same time. Because I think this year's Miss America, which I didn't put in there because it's so corny. I'm sure she does seem really great, but her talent was like performing a science experiment, which is like oh, her wow. cool. But it's like you're yeah. now you're. It's almost like in the face of. It's like you think we don't do science, so here I, it's like. Right. You can do science, but who performs science? That is strange. Right. Like, that we're at strange. that level where you have to perform it to prove you know it. Yeah, and they're like, that's that, weird. Is, that is weird. Cause they're like, look at her measure. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. She's weighing a Benson. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That is really weird and even more condescending. It's so much stranger, for sure. But, yeah. I mean, she is very smart, clearly, and knows how to work the system. So good for her. Um, well, thank you so much for doing this show. Let the thank listeners you. know where they can find you follow you and all that good stuff yeah follow me on the gram at asad kari rocks um k-a-r-i-r-o-c-k-s wow um and i'm also on twitter at asad or just kari asad it's kari but just for spelling reasons kari k-a-r-i Thank you, Kari. Kari, and you can follow this podcast, Tell Me Anything Pod, on Instagram. Follow me, Teresa Lee Bot, on Instagram, and at Larissa T on Twitter. That's it for this week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to You Can Tell Me Anything. You Can Tell Me Anything is a comedic podcast created and produced by Teresa Lee on the Hoo Ha Ha Podcast Network. The Hoo Ha Ha team is Ashley McAtee, Audrey Povar, Maggie Ruth Austin, Kari Asad, and Stephanie Binot. The theme song for this podcast was created by Cody Johnston. The outro music was written by Shipwreck Sailor. And the Hoo Ha Ha app can be found in the Apple Store to stream your favorite comedy series and laugh out loud podcasts by the funniest woman in comedy. To contact this podcast specifically, you can email tellmeanythingpod at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at tellmeanythingpod. Thank you. <laughs>